Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Bator of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are thrilled to be joined by Strange New Pod's own Julian. Hey guys, I'm so absolutely excited to be here. This is this is awesome. Thanks for having yeah, me. We're so, so pumped to talk today. And we also just want to thank you and Strange New Pod for being incredible hosts for Picard Week. This week has already been fantastic and there's so much more exciting stuff to come. So we are just so happy to be a part of this festival and grateful to be talking about Picard and diplomacy today. Yeah, Picard is my favorite Star Trek character. I'm just bold. I'm saying it. And so <laughs> as soon as I like, as soon as I heard about um, this week and every email that we got about the festival, I was just so excited. To there read. were a lot of emails, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot. Yeah. They were yeah. very lot, informative, yeah. though. It was great. <laughs> <That's> good. Informative <laughs> is always good. You don't want, uh, you know, really dull emails. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so normally when we have a guest on the pod, we ask them a couple of warm up questions. So, Julian, I'm wondering who is your favorite Star Trek character? Ah, so a bit of uh, an easy question because you could see him right here because <laughs> I am a, a Commander William Riker stand. I also showed you my, my figure off, off when we yes, were not recording yes. it, but Commander. William Riker. I love that man. He's just awesome from the way he sits to the way he plays a trombone. He's he's <laughs> awesome. I love him. Great, great choice all around. Thank you. I love Riker. That's awesome. Ashlyn, how about you? Who is your favorite Star Trek character? I mean, I already said it. It's Picard. <laughs> <laughs> I did grow up like original series was my first Trek. And so McCoy is like my true love. But then Picard is really someone who over time, I think he's been my favorite character for the longest. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many amazing characters. Worf is really up there for me as well. I, I love Worf so much. TNG, you know, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> and Rihanna, who is your favorite character? I mean, this is going to be not surprising to anyone who listens to our podcast, but it's Spock and it will always be Spock. So I just, I love that man. So but many honestly, Spock, uh, so, so many Spock things on your, uh, you guys' Insta stories. I love yeah. it. I always love seeing that. <laughs> yeah. And it mostly comes from me. So. <laughs> you might notice her Sensor shirt, which yes. is, oh, you know, a Leonard Nimoy special. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. He says it the most probably. So yes. Yeah. Well, okay, so, oh, sorry, I was yeah. going to talk a little bit about the episodes that we chose for today, and uh, we are going to be talking about The Measure of a Man, Reunion, Redemption, Drumhead, and Darmok, so literally like the best Picard diplomatic moments we could think of. Yeah, Rihanna and I, when we were first making this list of episodes to watch to prepare for the podcast, we had a ton because Picard and Diplomacy are... I mean, just like, that's who he is. It's like, I think he's most famous for being a diplomat. We've seen episodes where he flourishes like in wartime situations um, and, you know, in many different situations. But I feel like I love him 
so much because of what he stands for and how strong his morals are, even when it gets other characters into trouble, like Wesley and, um, <laughs> you know, Wesley, even Worf, <laughs> like he has to reprimand. But yeah. Picard is someone who is so strict with his morals and um, also is just like so open minded about different cultures and people that this is why I was really excited to talk about this topic um he's like again these are all reasons why he's my favorite character um and so we really had this list came from like 20 episodes and we narrowed it down <laughs> so yeah i feel like they represent um some of the best moments though and uh yeah just some of the best moments on next generation yeah absolutely um and one more question we want to ask you julian is since we're talking so much about Picard, what is your favorite Picard episode? So is this like my favorite Star Trek Picard episode or favorite Picard episode from, <laughs> from TNG or all of like, I mean, you can choose from Picard. Absolutely. The, the series, but we're also thinking like any Picard centric episodes that you really enjoyed. Um, just because I rewatched it recently and I, I, I don't know if this was always my answer because like I, I always go go to the TNG finale, All Good Things, which is mm -hmm. centered around Picard. It's also my favorite episode of, of TNG. Um, but Reunion is is so good. But, you know, that's not just a, that, that's so much like a wharf story, too. But it, it it's so much like about his relationship with Worf and, you know, this arc that we get later on with Redemption's part one and two. Um, I always feel like that's kind of like a trilogy of episodes, you know, that like really cements their relationship. So I, I love those episodes. But if we're talking strictly about Picard, it's got to be it's got to be all good things, which I which I still stay also is the best television finale ever made, mm -hmm. not just in, in sci fi and Star Trek. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Great, great answers. <laughs> How about you, Ashlyn? Oh, I mean, I was going through it also. I would say all good things is what I would say as well. Uh, but for the sake of being different, I'm going to go with Chain of Command because Ooh. I think that showcases Picard, like his height as a character and also the height of like Patrick Stewart's acting. We have to talk about him because he is what makes the character so great and uh, his commitment to like saying the craziest things and making everything so realistic is like what's amazing about him. And I think in Chain of Command, we get to see, yeah, both Picard and Patrick Stewart just like raw, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, feeling absolutely. everything. So that's one of my favorites. But I mean, the episodes that we're talking about today are also extremely high, like top five episodes. So yeah. Rihanna, how about you? Well, you know, I'm going to have to say Darmok. I think watching this episode again, it's one that I weirdly haven't seen since we were like middle school watching this for our first time. And I just forgot how incredible he is in this episode of figuring out the language and just like, I love that it's a metaphor, you know, that he's talking through metaphors this is something that Picard loves. I'm an English major. So I was like eating that up. I thought it was <laughs> really great that like he thought of that and like just the way that his brain works, you really get to see it in this episode. And I just love that we get Picard pretty much talking to like the screen, you know, I mean, he's of course talking to, um, to the character, but it's like, it's still just so much Picard in this and you get to see him really shine. So good. All great answers. Yeah. Great <laughs> All episodes. good things. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, hey. 
<laughs> good one, Ash. Good one. <laughs> well, I think we should just dive right into it. Let's go and talk about Measure of a Man. Rihanna, could you give a little plot synopsis about this episode? I would love to. This is like one of my favorite episodes of all time. Um, so Measure of a Man essentially is the ethical and moral conundrum of if Data is a sentient being, or if he is the property of Starfleet. And so it all comes to accumulation. We have Bruce Maddox, who it's crazy to see him for the first time. Of course, we're going to see him later in Star Trek Picard. But we see that he is the only one who uh, opposed Data entering the Academy. He wants to do studies on Data. He wants to make an army of Datas, essentially. He wants to make an entire race of androids, just like Data, um, with his complex positronic net and all of this stuff. So essentially it's a court, the courtroom drama at its best. We have Picard as like advocating for data and then Riker has to be the, uh, what's the word? Uh, he has to, he's like defending. Opposing counsel? Yeah, opposing, yeah, yeah exactly. Or hostile <laughs> counsel or something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we get this very interesting ethical dilemma here and Picard is at the center of it, which is very common for TNG. And I think we should start out just talking about Bruce Maddox and Picard sort of interactions in the beginning, because of course we also have um the prosecutor who prosecuted picard during the stargazer incident which is crazy oh. we're going way back in time um and so they have a bit of a turbulent relationship here but i just really like how this episode begins sort of at this like random station it's not quite just a regular day on the enterprise and we have picard meeting up with these characters that we don't know a ton about but we know that like Bruce Maddox wants data bad. Yeah, I think so. Philippa is the name of the mm-hmm. woman yeah. that Picard is interacting with, who's the prosecutor. And uh, it's a really interesting relationship that they have because obviously we haven't seen the trial that they keep talking about on the Stargazer, but we see that she, I think they used to have a relationship. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. she, I mean, she says, I love this quote. She says something like, um, you used to be a, um, or like, it's really calming to know that you're still like an ass basically. Um, <laughs> but you're a sexy man. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> so we know combo. exactly like where she's at. She really knows Picard for who he is. And it's a weird way to start this episode, I feel like, but I also think it's interesting. It's like intrigue into his past. And we're like, wow, who, who it was this guy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I really love their interactions throughout the entire episode. Like, there's just kind of, like, no bullshit between the two, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. he just is, like, straight up with her. He's like, oh, my God, it's you. You know what I'd like to do right now? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what? And it's like, buy you dinner or or something along those lines. She's like, I kind of maybe had a fling with you. You also were really a hard ass when you prosecuted me. But uh, mm-hmm. that's, you know, water under the bridge. But I'm still going to be straight and frank with you. It was so it was so weird. Like those those interactions are usually so awkward. And, and this wasn't. It was just kind of like straight to the point, which is yeah. so abnormal. Not like we usually see with Picard. And it is interesting to see him have this like ro- more romantic connection with somebody that is this complicated past and it's really nice that she's there like this is perfect timing for this little trial they have because even though there's like she barely has any aids there's not a lot going on um 
like this literal star base is just sort of starting up and Picard is like, well, we have this <laughs> dilemma. Let's have a case about it. You know, I just love that Picard gets to work. Like when he hears that Bruce Maddox mm-hmm. is transferring him and saying he's Starfleet property, transferring data, I should say. And all of this stuff is like, Picard is immediately like, first of all, I'm not losing one of my best officers. And also like, he's not an it, he's not property. Like, this is crazy. We need to actually get to the root of this. And, you know, I'm really surprised because Data has been in the has been in Starfleet for so many years and there was no sort of trial held like this when Data was first like establishing himself in Starfleet and it's kind of crazy it's taken this long for people to ask the question if he's sentient like that's a great point that seems like a, a thing you should have addressed when he was entering Starfleet but at least it's happening now and at least he has Picard there because I don't know if he would have won this case without Picard I've never thought about that, Rihanna. That's so true. Well, and something that, like, honestly, like, makes me angry about this episode is that Bruce Maddox is saying that Data is Starfleet property. And Picard, when he hears that, he's like, oh, it makes a good point. But no, like, we know from Data's past, he was found on, like, his planet where all, like, all the colonists were dead. And he chose to join Starfleet because those were the people that rescued him. It wasn't like Starfleet found him and was like, oh, we have to study this Mm -hmm. thing and brought him. And then he became an officer after that. He was already functioning as an independent person. And so I just like Bruce Maddox is so annoying this whole episode. He's calling him it. He's like so frustrating. Um, But I also want to just make a point that Picard was I think initially on Maddox's side and I mean not completely obviously but I think he saw like he says to Data they do have a point and Data says something along the lines of no they're racist yeah <laughs> like they're <laughs> they're just like he's he's not with me um it's only because I'm not human that you are or that you're even questioning that I'm property and that's when Picard gets to work but I thought it was really interesting to see that data had to confront him and say this is not this is not right for Picard to follow through on creating the trial and everything because I don't know it, it was just it was good to see that he took data seriously which I would expect him to do yeah Ashlyn you bring up a really good point and something that I think is essential about Picard is that he does have some hang-ups when it comes to like he's so like buttoned up about protocol and Starfleet regulations and all of this stuff that a lot of times when Starfleet gives him an order, he's like, well, that's just the orders. Like, I don't know what I what to tell you. And so I think he does rely heavily on the different viewpoints of his crew and of his advisors like Guinan, um, who like tell him, I mean, Guinan is literally like, he's just like, you're Data could be a slave if this goes further, you know, if he's property, that's akin to slavery. And I think Picard's kind of like, oh, you're right. You know, like he he needs that outsider's perspective to sort of shake him from his like fixation on Starfleet rules. And I think that it really helps him because I'm thinking, too, in um, The Offspring, where Data is literally like, do you have to do other couples have to consult when they're having a child? You know, and he he's sort of asking these challenging questions to Picard. And I just love how quickly Picard comes comes around and he says like he accepts that 
oh, I was wrong. You're totally right. Like I didn't see it from that perspective. And then like Ashlyn said, he just immediately starts getting into the action. So it's so important that he has those people around him to advise him and to clear his head a little and to sort of be like, hey, like listen and look around to what's happening and not just to what Starfleet's telling you. I think you bring up such a good point with that, especially talking about the people that he has around him, because every almost every episode, unless he's really determined, you know, on something like he's never afraid to to seek out help when when he's at a loss at a, at a situation. And that's something I've always loved and respected about the character. And Guinan is a great example of this. This happens in a later episode that we're going to talk to us talk about, too, where, you know, she kind of like gives it to him straight. And I, I, I love that. Yeah, it's so important. I think also it just shows that Picard is a good ally. You know, he listens to the people giving him feedback. I mean, that's the job of a captain is to listen to all the opinions around and then, you know, proceed in the best course. And so he's listening to Guinan and Data and they're saying this is really messed up. And he's like, okay, you're right. (laughs) We gotta we gotta do something about this. And I mean, I know we're not talking about Picard or we're not the show Picard but again it's just like very crazy to hear them talking about we will have like thousands of datas who become you know they're just doing the work that humans don't want to do and that's like the setup you know for Mars and the androids and everything so yeah this is I'm sure this is the episode that the creators of Picard watched and they said okay oh yeah yeah, totally (laughs) 100% (laughs) like what his his whole you know this will happen eventually does actually come to light. And I think it's actually, if, if you've read the book uh, Last Best Hope, which is the prequel to season one of Picard, um, yeah. the, he actually, I think, helps like come up with the idea to help with the Romulan ref- refugee crisis, which is mm-hmm. really interesting as well. Something that he may have been against later, and then all of a sudden there's this big deal, and now all of a sudden you're rethinking your morals a little bit. Yeah, and that's what Picard is constantly doing. He puts in that work to reframe his thinking. And that's what makes him such a good diplomat, too, because he's constantly taking other people's perspective while still, of course, adhering to Starfleet laws or Klingon laws or whatever, uh, whoever he's interacting with. But I don't know. I think that it's really cool, too, that in Measure of a Man, Picard makes sure that Data is okay with him being his defendant, you know, and that he's like, if you would rather be have someone else, I totally understand. And of course, Data's like, no, <laughs> like, you're else? amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why would I want literally anyone else uh, to defend me? But it's just so cool that he's like making sure he has Data's consent for this kind of stuff. And even when he's showing the, or like has Data show the hologram of Tasha Yar and he is like, you kind of have to tell them about your intimacy with her to sort of you know, further my point and everything. And, uh, but he's very gentle with data because I think like sometimes, especially early Picard can be a little bit like uh, dismissive of data or just sort of, you know, the cuts him off a lot and the whole crew kind of does. But I think in this episode, he really took on this like very caring aspect that Picard can just like do so well when he knows like, I need to defend someone. The law is not being upheld. He will go to bat for you and make sure you're comfortable along the way. And it's really cool. He did this for Data, even though Data is like an android and not emotional and all this stuff, he was still protecting him. Yeah. And I also, so yeah, I want to talk about the trial a little more. Um, Riker does like a devastating job. Like that's yeah. exactly what Picard said. <laughs> like, he Riker's has case to. Is devastating. Yeah, yeah. 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 
And I, I love that too, because it's so complicated. Riker, of course, refuses initially to do it, but he's essentially threatened um, mm-hmm. that if the trial doesn't go through, it's there's no hope for Data anyway. And so Riker has to play his part. It's oh, just the games that they play. Um, oh, it's tragic, yeah. And so I, I, I love that Picard chooses to do all of it from a human root. You know, he he gets um, the he gets. Um, the prosecution to see that data is closer to human than you're even thinking and you know showing that why do you have these medals it's because i um i cherish them you know and i have this thing of yar and uh i i really liked that it's a very kind of easy view like that picard presents so it's it's easy and quick to win over the prosecution he has such a good way of talking to everybody the way that they need to be talked to. Uh, that's that's again. This isn't just this episode. It, it's just a a John Luke Picard trait. You know, he he speaks with command, right? To to Philippa, he treats Maddox kind of like a bumbling child, right? Uh, and then, like Rihanna was saying, treats Data with compassion, love, and respect. And it's just he knows how to hit every single moment. Yeah, Julian, that's such a good point. And I really like the fact that he really turns Maddox's own words against him, you know, and when he's asking him define sentience and Maddox gives him the the three qualifiers and he's pretty much like, okay, data checks all of these. Like he literally tears apart his own argument just by using his own words. And that is something that Picard is also so good at is like just he's such a wordsmith too. Like he really knows how to use words as weapons. And um, I just like, I always, (laughs) I always think of the Shakespeare quote where it's like, I would challenge you to a battle of wits, but I see that you're unarmed. Like that's Picard (laughs) in a nutshell. (laughs) It's so funny though. You say that like, he's a man of words, right? Because he, he totally is. Yeah. I think he goes at one point, he's talking to Filippo or he's talking to another one of the characters. He goes, I think he calls log gobble gook or gobbly gook I'm just like, okay Sean all right yeah you just have high standards yeah <laughs> yeah oh my gosh but knows the letter of the law so well right but it's gobble yeah. gook. <laughs> I I love that he I feel like he frequently does this where he breaks down uh the argument into asking like what is the basic raw definition of something and that is the best way to prove someone wrong or or not even to prove them wrong but to get them to look at things from a different perspective because when you're looking at the raw definition of something like what is sentience it takes away whatever stigma is being maybe surrounded by the def- by like just the word itself and so just that method that he has of just walking people through step by step and saying, look how you're wrong, you know, it's just, and this is the logic why I just, I love it. Yeah, that is epic. I love that too. Even but his, I love oh, sorry, quote. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to read this quote where he says, your honor, the courtroom is a crucible in it. We burn away irrelevancies until we're left with a pure product, the truth for all time. Nice. That's a great yeah. quote. It's such yeah. a good quote. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Go ahead, Julian. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, he, he just going back to what you guys are saying, he does, you know, really good job during the trial. And he does get his point across. And even, even when, you know, he makes an objection and that objection isn't upheld, it's still like a really good point And it's getting through to people. Like when Riker submits the metal bar and he's like, objection, there are so many other races, Federation, you know, races that have super strength. Like Spock could probably bend that, right? Yeah. So even though that, that ob- objection is, you know, thrown out, 
it's still a good point and gets people's minds racing. Yeah. And when he has to take off Data's arm, oh. you see it's like physically painful for Picard. Yeah. And of course, Data is just like, it's just another day, you know, but like Picard is really struggling with Riker's like really iron tight case. I mean, Jesus, Riker. Especially when he <laughs> shuts like, him oh, off, man. right? Like, oh. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Doing Data dirty. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I love, of course, the resolution at the end of this trial where Picard does that famous line where he says, like, Starfleet is meant to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. And I'm just like, yes, the whole time, just cheering. (laughs) I was literally going to, I was like waiting for you to finish. And I was like, then I'm going to read the quote. (laughs) (laughs) You got the quote. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's the peak. And I think just again i'm just admiring patrick stewart because he like you can tell that he thinks through the way that he's delivering these lines so well the emphasis on certain words that like make an impact this comes up later in all the episodes but i just have to shout it out like thank you sir for your good work (laughs) it's such a minor line but i think i guess it isn't a minor line but it it, the, the speech that he makes is so good this kind of you know does this line doesn't get brought up a lot, but the minute he's done making that speech, he goes, you wanted to make law. Well, here's your opportunity. Make it a good one. That always like resonates with me. And I'm like, damn, man, like way to just like take it home. Oh, I love that yes. moment. That's yeah. such a good line. Oh it God. reminds me of like when he's talking to Philippa kind of in the middle of the episode saying, uh, just reminding her, like, do your duty like you did on the Stargazer. And she says, you do yours. Yeah. And I think that's also just taking it back to their relationship. Something that is um, just really reassuring is that above all, it's about duty and doing what's best for Starfleet and what's best for everyone. So, I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, yeah. should we go on to Reunion, the next episode? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh, this is amazing for me because it's like Worf and Picard are my two favorites from TNG. And every single Klingon episode where Picard is his Chadich or yes. the Arbitrator, I'm I can be your Chadich. Yes. <laughs> I was actually so sad because Rihanna made shirts for uh, that's on our Threadless shop that say Picard is my Chadich. And they ne- neither of them arrived on time oh, for the no. live stream. <laughs> But Picard will show him off later. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Rihanna, once again, will you give us a little lay down about this episode? Yeah. So Kem Peck is the current uh, Klingon High Council or main dude. That's not the right term. (laughs) Uh, High Chancellor, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. he's Chancellor. And he has just been poisoned. And so he comes to Picard or Picard comes to him and he says, quote, we need an outsider. And so he asks him to be the arbitrator and he's pretty much says like, figure out who killed me. And then he dies and you're just like, oh, great. (laughs) What a start to an episode. Good luck. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And so Picard is put in this position where he has to essentially pick the next chancellor and pick uh, between Doros and Galron. And, he has to negotiate with them and he gets Kalar, who is an old fling of wharfs, who is also the ambassador to Klingon, the human, and she's half human. And so she is awesome. And they work together to sort of 
slow the process down so that they can investigate this debt. They, they are first investigating who poisoned the chancellor. And then they're also investigating who planted this bomb. Cause there's a bomb in one of Duras's uh, like companions arm. So anyway, it's pretty much Picard being an investigator and an arbiter. It's amazing. He's just double duty on this. Nothing is impossible for our <laughs> captain. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> he can do it all. <laughs> I love that Picard is is so much the opposite of Kirk in this situation, right? Like Kirk and the Klingons are, you know, not friends and and Picard is so well respected by the Klingons. Like you wouldn't ask any Starfleet captain to be the arbiter of succession. Um it, it really says something that especially a, a chancellor like Kempek, I think Picard says is the longest reigning chancellor in, in Klingon history doesn't just like send a communicate to him, but like brings him his ship and asks him face to face and and you know personally like i think this is only you know two or three years into his command of the enterprise and he's his reputation already precedes him which is really incredible absolutely and i think this also comes from his work that he did in sins of the father we're not talking about that episode but it's the other of the like sort of klingon arc where um he first becomes Worf's chadich and they also have to go through this whole trial to figure out if Worf's father was a traitor and of course he's not but he was framed all of this stuff but um yeah so Picard already has experience through that and then you get to see him just so immersed in the Klingon culture and so respectful that I just really love this about him and I Ashlyn and I have joked about this before but like Picard also knows like all of the holidays of like every single <laughs> <laughs> like, like crew member uh, you know all of their different species and like stuff they celebrate and so sometimes he'll be like oh yes the Bajoran Festival of Lights is coming up or like whatever and he'll just like he knows so much about the culture and that's another thing that makes him such an excellent diplomat is because he does his research and he does his fact checking and like makes sure that he knows the language I mean he speaks a lot of Klingon in this episode he is pretty respected I mean considering it's still like there's a lot of people a lot of Klingons questioning him but they still see him as the arbiter and they still know that he has the power here and so they begrudgingly accept that Julian I'm so glad you brought that up and that's like one of the reasons I love Picard so much um I also thought it was interesting in the very beginning when he's meeting with um the chancellor before he passes away um, he says, I've been slowly poisoned over time with Viridium 6, which I guess, like, that sucks. Um, and uh, Picard doesn't, like, have any, he doesn't say anything like, I'm so sorry to hear this. This is really tough for the Empire. Like, there's no mincing words. He just goes right to business. Yeah. And he's like, okay, what do you need from me? Let's not waste any time. And I think... That also is such a good skill to have because at least for me, I'm all about like, oh, how's the, like, how does he feel? And like, how am I catering to the chancellor who's like about to die? And how can I make him feel better in this situation? But Picard is, he knows this is not the time for that. We have to figure out what's going on with the empire because like we got to get to work essentially. So I, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. was just, I love that about it's, him. It's also just another example, right? Of like him knowing his audience and, and who he's working with, right? Like Klingons don't want sympathy. Yes, so, exactly. you know, he's not going to go that or he is going to do exactly what you said, right to business. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? And I don't think he ever really clearly says it can't be Duras or it can't be Gowron, but like who is going to be the next chancellor? Like, let's figure this out. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, he's already setting the time and place. He makes them wait an hour for him. He makes sure <laughs> he's that. a little late. Like everything's so deliberate to show that he is the upper hand in a very like intense, highly charged Klingon situation, which like would intimidate the hell out of me. But Picard is so steadfast that even if he is intimidated, you do not see that on his face or his posture or anything like, and I think it's so helpful that he has Kalar in this episode too, because she is an, excellent ambassador and she really understands so much of Klingon culture and politics and how messy it is on Kronos right now and she provides such good counsel for him and he's you know fishing for ways to stall and I love that that he's like can like how did the old ways do it you know and uh, can we enact those again and she's like yeah sure I'll walk you through it and So he makes them like have to cite all of their battle history and all of this stuff. And I think that is so cool because you can't say no to that. You can't say like, oh, he's going to do the like traditional way. I can't, you can't just like argue against that. And so Picard always comes up with these amazing solutions for like, you know, short-term problems that like, I need to stall, let's do it this way or like whatever it may be, he's so tactful about this and he has to keep a tight leash on these Klingons. I mean, they are at each other's throats. Like there's literally a bombing going on. And like, you know that there's so much suspicion flying around that it's like amazing that he keeps them from not murdering each other, even though Kalar does end up getting murdered in this, which is just... That's oh, oh, so brutal. It's so yeah. sad. I yeah. I do think that him choosing like to delay an hour and then also to do this t- ritual that's going to take a really long time. Worf says weeks or months if you don't like play along with us, like if you don't um, participate. But um, I think that really puts Gowron and Duras like it puts a lot of pressure on them because if they're innocent, it's just more time to prove that they're innocent. But then you know, in the case of Duras it's more and more stressful. So Picard perfectly applies pressure in this situation. It's just, it's masterful. And, you know, people like the Klingons who are purists, um, who like, how can you deny this trial that's ancient? You know, if anything, you should be like excited to do this old, really long lasting <laughs> trial to find out like, who's the next president? Like it's a, yeah, it's a it's big important. deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that you, you said that Ashlyn, because he does, he just knows how to get to the point and, and hit a point and, and kind of like, like, just do everything that he needs to do to make sure the situation is correct. Like, you know, when when Duras and Garon are at each other's throats, bring, throats, bring Worf in, right, to make both of them uncomfortable, to kind yeah. of, like, you know, gain evidence and clues and kind of bring some order back to, like, what's going on. I, I really love that moment. Um, do you mind if I read one of these comments from Twitch? Because this is also yeah, a good yes. point about this. Yeah. Um, NYRL uh, says, considering how Starfleet was so vulnerable after the Borg invasion, I'm sure Picard f- uh, felt keeping the Klingon Empire stable was critical. Mm. Yes. That's so, so true. And we're you know going to soon talk about this civil war that was diverted in on, you know, for Klingons. And literally there's so much instability during this time in Picard's captaincy that like he does have to keep so many groups together and he's just he does it so flawlessly I'm like do you ever feel stressed about this because I'm not getting (laughs) any of that from you like you look as calm as ever it's amazing that is such a good point yeah I think this is really made clear in redemption in the next in the two-parter we're talking about because that is 
everyone's worst fear um, in the Federation because the Klingon Empire is a really substantial part. It took a long time to make peace with them and the threat of the Romulans siding with them, as Data says, is a huge power shift in the Quadrant and is absolutely in Starfleet's interest. So yeah, I, I, I always love, um, or I guess I always think Reunion cracks me up because they say, oh, a Klingon civil war is being threatened. And then at the end of the season, it's like, yes, the Klingon civil war is here because of all of this. And that's one of the reasons why Gowron ends up calling Picard back and saying, hey, your role is not finished. You still have to install me. Um, yeah. Anyway, just jumping ahead a little bit. I Yeah, great comment. I love it. Yeah, same. Well, and I love the fact, too, that, um, oh, no. My thought flew away. No, no, that happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens the best. It worked away. I actually want to go back and say something about what you were saying, Rihanna, about about mm-hmm. Kalar, because she really is like the perfect companion to to get him to do this. Like like you're, you were saying, like it's kind of flawless, right? Like how not stressed out about this he is. If it's any other Klingon or any other ambassador, he may be getting some bad advice, but as she says to Worf in the episode, like she doesn't really give a crap about the old ways or even like the current ways of doing things. Like she does have her Klingon side, but she's also human. To, so to get the human perspective on top of the Klingon perspective, I think is invaluable in the situation. Absolutely. And I think he so masterfully adds Worf into the mix because he also recognizes that this is really hard for Worf. Yeah. He has his discommendation, he has no honor, and he is pretty much being like spat on by all these Klingons. And it's just awful to see him being treated with such disrespect. And Picard knows that this is really uncomfortable. Yeah. And he still is like, you are our chief of security. And this is a huge security threat. Like we need to investigate this bombing and how Kempek died. And so he brings them in, Julian, like you were saying, like as also this way to sort of ruffle their feathers and keep them on their guards too, you know? And, but I don't ever feel like Worf is used as a tool either. Like he's also still very, he knows how capable Worf is and he knows that he's the right man for the job, Klingon or not. Like he's still the, one of the best investigators out there. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I also, just going back to Kalar, uh, Rhianne and I just watched um, a bunch of episodes for a TNG episode of our feminism series. And uh, Kalar is one of the people we talk about. Nice. And in that episode where we first meet her, Worf sees her come on the bridge and he asks, and then Picard's like, oh, please escort her to her room or whatever. And Worf is like, sir, I request someone else to do this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Picard asks him, like, is this a personal or a, um, it, like, is this a personal reason yeah. or professional reason? And Picard's, and Worf's like, I withdraw. And he does the exact same thing in yeah. Reunion where he sees Kaylar again and he's like, Mm. like get me away (laughs) yeah again like Picard (laughs) runs the ship so tightly he's like you're not you're gonna have to face your problems Worf you can't get out of it that easily (laughs) yeah he really does help Worf with a lot of this stuff I mean I I do love too that he he comes to him as his Chadich you know at at some point and is saying like I'm here as your Chadich not as your captain like do you need anything and that is so cool too because like we hear in Redemption, they have this really beautiful discussion, him and Worf, about how they're walking a tightrope between two worlds. And for the two worlds, it's, um, of course, Worf's world of like, you know, Starfleet and then Klingon uh, culture and everything. And then Picard as the Arbiter and as a Starfleet captain. And this is so complicated because like, 
it's hard enough being a Starfleet captain who's practically this like who's this amazing diplomat practically an ambassador like he really does a lot of that work while he's trying to explore the galaxy and then he's also having to be the arbiter and having to find that line between like being that role but not interfering with Klingon politics because it'll drag the Federation into a civil war so it's just so complex and they just both maneuver it so well. Like I have to give such credit to Worf and Picard in in Redemption and in all of these different Klingon episodes that they have to navigate these worlds. And that's not easy, like being a person of two worlds. And Worf has always understood that. And I think Picard gains this like deeper respect for him once he's in these two roles. He's like, Worf, like I really understand now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You really hit it on the head here though, because it is so complex and it's made even more complex at the end of the episode when he kills Duras for killing Kalar. And Picard and maybe any other captain would have, handled that in such a different way whether you know uh making Worf resign or sending him to the brig but picard more than anyone understands klingon law and tradition and even though he has to you know i think like say the words and reprimand Worf in his ready room i think he also still very much like respects Worf's decision to kill duras because that's their ways but again like he was in uniform. He didn't have his combat on, but it it it's a very tight rope. Yeah, that was so dicey. I was yeah. like, ooh, at least take off your uniform yeah. first. <laughs> I think something that helps though is that the Klingon High Council wasn't offended no. by that. Like, and all yeah. like the all the Klingons understand this because this is a part of their culture. And I do think there's is another episode around like Worf's brother Kern where. Like, like Worf kills someone. That's in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Oh, that okay. That's yep. when, when Kern takes the Moktavor. Yeah, to, like, and do that... a ritual suicide. Yeah. How yeah, cool is okay. it that their whole story spans two series? I always I love know. that. Oh, I love Kern too. Yeah. He's so God bless. Epic, like. Yeah, <laughs> Kern doesn't get enough love. No. I when no. I saw him in Redemption, I was like, yes, <laughs> here he is, again. baby boy is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I absolutely yeah. love that. I. Julian, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think that it it probably is really hard for Picard to have to navigate everyone's different cultural differences yeah. as well and to both respect them, but also be like, we're all in Starfleet together. We have to follow these laws. That's so complicated. He really raises the bar of like captain qualities, you know, like I feel like <laughs> yeah. if you don't have minimum standards where you understand everybody's culture mm -hmm. and are able to like implement them like this and you're not, you should be a captain, you know? Yeah, yeah it's oh, true. So good. What's the captain's name in Voyager, the captain of the Equinox, who just like the minute they get to the Delta Quadrant and meet bad people, he throws away like all his star Starfleet morals. I think his name was, <laughs> it was Captain Ransom. And they just started oh, like yeah. killing, yeah, Ransom. He starts just killing like beings to use them as like an advanced warp drive. I'm like, that's the exact opposite of a Picard yep. or a Janeway. It's, yeah, yeah. Yep. absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> that's evil admirable. I'm yeah, so exactly. Sure. <laughs> Along the lines of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, Picard and Worf struggle with walking and living in two worlds. I thought it was interesting that Picard called Worf out for using the Federation Google, uh, like the Federation <laughs> right. computers, uh, to do his research about um, like the the trial against Kittimer and all this stuff. Because Worf is now trying to prove, you know, he's tr he's trying to not like have 
he wants to not be dishonored anymore. Um, but then also, like, Worf is taking his, like, little sabbatical to go and aid Galron and gain forces and all this stuff. So I thought it was good that Picard called him out and said, you can't use your, um, your like, status as a Starfleet officer to get the proof that you need. Like, it has to be outside the Federation because it just gets too complicated. And initially, I was like, come on, Picard, like, you still got to help him out. So I think making the records public is a great solution for everyone yeah. because, again, like, Picard is always saying, and he says later in the drumhead, um, the truth, like, is is the point of all of this. And that's what we need to get to because if we don't have the truth, we have nowhere to go from here. So I thought yeah. that was cool that he made the records public. <laughs> yeah, that was such such a bold move. And I thought that was perfect because, like you're saying, the truth has to be weeded out here because the truth is that the Romulans are secretly working with the Doros sisters and trying to literally overthrow the government and create this whole civil war just so that they can like sneak in and do their little Romulan deception game and I think that like it's so perfect that this has been sort of seeded in these different Klingon episodes as we've been going on. We heard that the uh, explosion was a Romulan device yep. and there's yes. always been this sort of like question about it. And so it's so cool that like we as an audience are also digging for the truth as much as Picard is and that he is steadfast. Like he will literally, I love this because at first he's like, I have to back off. We can't like support Galron as Starfleet, but we can go to the Romulan border and do a blockade. You know, like that was so cool because he leads the fleet as well. Like he is not like a, like, you know, he's not a very seasoned wartime captain. I mean, this is not his like strong suit. So they could have sent anyone, but Picard is the arbiter and he knows so much about the situation. He's so close to it that he knows this is the best solution. And I would have never thought that in a million years, you know, I would have been like, let's just join Galron and, you know, hell with the consequences. But he knows the exact line that he has to tow in order for it to still be under regulation and to not like piss off the Romulans either. Yeah, that that was literally my first note about Redemption 1 is that he was so quick on his toes, right, to think immediately, we can't help them, but we can, we know the Romulans are involved somehow, let me, you know, talk to Starfleet, see if they have anything to say, and they give him ships, this is again after the Borg conflict, and like all those ships are run down, but he gets, you know, he, he gets his point across enough where he's able to do this, I thought, yeah, excellent point. He gets 23 ships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> amazing so like, this is a man who can get 23 ships to the romulan border again like that that kirk would not do that you know no, <laughs> no. well maybe he in a different way but <laughs> yeah he would just ask you know the captains and not go to starfleet <laughs> he was like, yeah no he, yeah yeah for sure <laughs> that's yeah. so true well and two i mean i'm such a big data fan so i really appreciate the scene where he goes to picard and he's like i'm a senior officer you are looking for more senior officers. Why am I not a captain? And it's sort of the thing we were talking about earlier in Measure of Man. Like it sort of just went over his head. Like he didn't even think of the option of Data being a captain, even though he has like one of the longest Starfleet records and he has all these medals and everything. It's still like some of that stuff kind of floats over his head until he's brought back to earth by, and he listens like we were saying. And so I love that he's immediately like, oh yeah, you could take this ship. Like my bad and that's so good because data like saves the day he's the one who figures out where the um romulan cloaking like the cloaked ships are and everything and oh it's just so cool like i love to see picard 
you know, realize he made a mistake and quickly just like rectify it. Just like, yep. You're so right. I will listen to you. And he trusts him. You know, I love the data comes up in the end. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Like I'll go under yes. report. Yeah. <laughs> of course, like, so proud of him. That. He's so proud of <laughs> yeah. data. Oh, it's like, that's my boy. Yeah. Well, and we see Data it's like funny. fighting opposition to his like really rude first officer. So, so it guy. makes that moment even sweeter at the end where Data's like, fire! And then he's right, <laughs> of course. Of course he's right. Yeah, exactly. I like so that he gives like the attitude, right? Like yeah. Yeah. he's just so certain, like he knows how to turn on the emotion to this kind of like jackass who will not let up <laughs> and like questioning every order. He's That, that was just like peak Brent Spiner. Agreed. Right. Oh, so and I good. do love seeing Picard delegate. You know, he gives um, Riker a ship, and you see Riker's eyes light up. He's so excited <laughs> to have his little ship. And like, I don't know. It's just really cool because Picard trusts his crew so completely, and he is just steadfast in like knowing that they're going to do their job. And there's no sort of worry of like, oh, do I have to sort of be in the wings waiting for? to cover for someone no like he knows his crew and that's because he's such a good captain himself and he has built this relationship with his crew and like ashley and i sometimes talk about how picard often doesn't have like a very genial kind of relationship with his crew mates and it doesn't at least in the beginning feel really like that sort of found family trope that are in a lot of uh star trek with like the he never staff. he never plays poker with them till that literal end of the show it's so like, sad yeah. it's so yeah. sad i should have done that that line when he's like i should have done this a long time ago it's like so heartbreaking <laughs> yeah i'm not trying to cry today yeah. yeah and so but i i think even then like he still harbors so much or like has so much respect for every single one of his crew members and of course the senior officers and like the way that he just respects Worf decision to resign resign from yes. Starfleet um, so that he can go and serve with Gowron and he could possibly die. Like he knows this might be the last time he sees Worf because they're kind of fighting a losing battle here. And he just lets him, you know, and obviously like he can't stop him, but I think it's still like the, the fact that he respects that choice is so important. Well, it goes yeah. back to what you were talking. I'm oh, sorry, Ashley, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, just the subtlety in their relationship is really shown in that moment because I I think a lot of people who don't know Picard well would think he's just a rules guy and, you know, letting Worf resign means he can never come back to the Enterprise. That's it. You burned your bridge with Starfleet. But he he's like, I know you. I know everything that's going on right now. And it's a, it's a fine it's a fine circumstance. Like, I, I understand. So I, I love to see that empathy that even though he is a rules guy and that's like his passion, he still knows his officers so well and he's fine, you know, giving that to him. Yeah. And I think yeah, it does go back to that speech he makes, right, about about walking that tightrope, you know. Yeah, he exactly. does know that if he lets Worf stay on the Enterprise, Worf could start making bad decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And and going, you know, above the, you know, above the uniform and Picard can't have that in this super delicate situation. So it's not even like a a, a question. He's like, "Yeah, of course." Like and uh, can we talk about how amazing the the last moments of that episode are when he gets the full the full crew lineup before he leaves and it's just like the respect the respect you know uh and again like i think that also comes down to the fact that hey like this is a war we may not see him again so yeah did you guys ever think that like this was maybe him leaving the show when you watch this the first time 
I totally. Did. I was so worried. Yeah. 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 I remember that, um, especially because it's a season finale. And I mean, Rihanna and I watched this show at a time where we were, I think, pirating it. I don't yeah. I don't even think we were streaming yeah. it. I think we were just pirating Star Trek. Um, but I can't imagine like being alive and having to wait six months right. or whatever till the next yeah. season to be like, is Michael Doran returning? Right. <laughs> I need to yeah. know. Um, but I, I totally thought he was leaving because this kind of goodbye where you have the cast line up and it's a really good goodbye. So it's amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, and I also want to talk for a minute about Picard's amazing scene with the Duras sisters. Thank you. I was about to say this too. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I love those ladies. I think they're so funny, and we have to love them. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, we have. It would to. be they're weird if you name. didn't. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just love that they're like, you know what? Let's try to bribe him. Let's just go there and see if we can threaten, <laughs> bribe. Like, let's do whatever we can. They clearly, like, they've had enough remnants with Picard, but they do not know him. Or at least they maybe want to, like, see if they can get through that, like, Starfleet armor or whatever. But Picard is just like, thanks for the tea. See you ladies later. Like, <laughs> I'm not involving myself in any of this. Actually, Have a good Rihanna, day. he said excellent tea. I think that yeah, was the did. only he way did. he got through to them. Which she, they, He was like, damn, that's some good tea. Thank you. <laughs> but still, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's a no from me. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. I love that, like, no imitate intimidation tactics are going to work on Picard because he knows that that is just, like, you know, a way that is a desperate act for them, you know, and clearly he's, he's like, if they're, if they're trying to intimidate me, then I'm doing something right. He doesn't even get love... shook by Sila. No. no. <laughs> yeah, he barely pauses. Like, he just talks to Guinan and the crew real quick. He's like, guys, what's going on with Sila? And then he's like, all right. This is not like, going to have any effect yeah. on anything I do, so be ready. Yeah, Wild. he proceeds yeah. as if she was just another, another Romulan. Romulan. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Really wild. Yeah, which that takes a lot of, like, strength of just, like, keeping those emotions close to your chest and... Or just like not allowing yourself to feel them at all. You know, Picard is a little bit emotionally stunted. And so I think that that does sometimes help him in his captaincy because he could just like, nope, not dealing with that. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that the result that he comes to, because of course, um, Tural, I think you say it, is the Duras little kid, not really, but teenager who says that he's the son of Duras. Um, and he's challenging Gowron this whole episode. Um, and I love that Picard's reasoning is the most simple Klingon reasoning of all. It's that, well, he's fought no battles. He's led no armies. So why would he be chancellor? And, you know, Picard's like doing research. We see him like thinking so hard about this, but really like that's like the the Klingon way is, uh, he's not won any battles and Gowron clearly has. So anyway, so good. It's That's my favorite cool. line that. from that episode. A boy who yeah. has fought no battles, shed no blood. Just great delivery. So Yeah, good. well, Perfect. and he yeah. even says, like, not now, maybe in the future, but as of yeah. now, no. And so I love that he keeps that door open that if Tyrol decides to, like, prove himself and he's really passionate about becoming <laughs> Chancellor, like, he can't go. He can't go the distance, but yeah. not when he's being a puppet from Lursa Bator. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love these episodes. Do we have anything else we want to talk about on the Klingon front before we move on? Nope. I'm I'm good. Okay. 
So now let's talk a little bit about Drumhead, which, woo, first I got to say directed by Jonathan Franks. So, you know, it's going to be good. You like, right when good. I see that, I'm like, my yep, man. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ashlyn, do you want to give us a little summary this time? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so essentially there is a Klingon, we have a Klingon scientist on board. That's what he says he's doing, um, like doing some research or there was something going on. He has um, an exchange program. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. An exchange <laughs> program. I was like, okay. It reminds me of Crusher's episode we just talked about, um, where mm -hmm. Crusher had like all these scientists on for this Ferengi, but anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Drumhead, um, they find out that Worf is convinced that he's a spy because there is a message sent to the Romulans and right away Worf thinks this guy is a spy. I'll find out. I don't like I don't know how you did it, but I'll find out. He's threatening him. And then at the same time there was an explosion that goes off in engineering and like the door like flies off. They think it's a bomb or some kind of tampering. And so to figure out what's going on with the situation, they take this lady out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. um, I, what is her name? I can't remember Nora her name. Nora Satie. Think. Oh yeah, Satie. Yeah, that's right. Um, so she's like this famous judge, I guess, this like person who conducts a lot of trials. She has a very famous father who was a kind of trailblazing in Starfleet and um, raised her to be like really valuing Starfleet as well. And she has the staff who's a betazoid, uh, like a fully, he's a full betazoid, so not like Troy. He can actually like tell if people are lying and I guess has like more developed, um, yeah, he's more developed yeah. betazoid. Um, and then this other lady who's like a secret her secretary. Yeah, um, she's just kind of hanging around. Gives some <laughs> yeah, really she, nasty looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really serving looks. I was thinking that, like, I don't think she has a line in this, but she's really no. memorable. <laughs> I think she serves Picard. She's like she, I'd like uh, Admiral Sati requests your presence to be, you know, yeah. grilled at the at the hearing. But that's yeah. it. Yeah, and she's exactly. so happy to deliver the line. You know, she's like, "I'm sticking it to you." She's like, yeah. Yeah, "Got it." <laughs> yeah. So it it basically goes on where um, they are trying to figure out who could have sabotaged the warp engines, and they go through a list. Worf sees there's only a couple people to interrogate because the Klingon was only interacting, like the traitor. He ends up saying, yes, I did uh, do this. I have contact with the Romulans. And so now they're trying to figure out who uh, would have helped him get onto the Enterprise and achieve this because um, Sati does not believe he could have done this alone. And so a witch hunt essentially begins and unfortunately falls onto this guy who's like, uh, yeah, he was Tarsus. born on Mars. Yeah, Tarsus. He was born on Mars and he lies during his trial and says he has a Vulcan grandparent. Really, it's a Romulan. And because he's lying, the Betazoid senses that he's lying. And basically, Sati goes off that and says, okay, we're doing a full-scale investigation. Let's go. Let's get real. She's having secret communications with Starfleet behind Picard's back, despite being so friendly and upfront with him the whole episode. Um, and so she ends up opening up these trials. So they're to the public, which is just like insane and really just drawing attention to, uh, this trial, which is a, a sham essentially. Um, and then it gets to such a peak where Picard himself is being accused and she has wrapped up everyone in their rhetoric, in her own rhetoric about this incident. And even Worf is like kind of believing her until Picard is on trial and he just like has a 
amazing speeches and does his thing to the point where he riles her up and she loses it. And after Picard, like, quotes, hit her own father to her, she loses it and says, you know, you ruin his name by speaking it aloud and ruin his memory and everything. And she just proves that she is so obsessed with finding this so-called saboteur that she didn't even stop to think if it was actually happening. Um, So it's a fantastic episode. Like truly you look at all the top 10 lists, Drumhead is usually in here, especially for Picard because it showcases just his prowess and um, like, competence in speaking publicly and in defending himself and uh just everything so yeah i love i love it go for great. it great thank yeah. you <laughs> amazing yeah. summary i guess sorry, i got like wrapped up I was yeah. like, it's head. such a good episode <laughs> it's so good oh, yeah, yeah it's incredible and you know i really like to see sort of like papa bear picard come out of the works here yes. to defend um tarsus and i love that he takes him in for tea and he sort of ta- chats with him about like are you doing okay you're literally getting accused like for all of this stuff just because you lied about something you know and once of course they figure out that he has a Romulan grandfather that's when the suspicion gets heightened and I think that the quote that really hits home with me is when Picard remarks about fear of quote extinguishing a man because he carries the blood of a current enemy and oh like I'm just reminded so much about all of the turmoil that our world is going through right now and how quickly people are to judge based on the color of your skin or your culture or your background or what have you. And instead of seeing the person for who they are and really like getting settling into their own place, like seeing the life, their life through their eyes. People never do that. People don't take the time to like understand people's perspectives and where they're coming from. And Picard always does, you know, and he takes the time to understand the circumstances surrounding it before he makes, you know, wild accusations. And he is adamant when um, Tarsus is being first accused and they're saying he's lying and we got to hunt out what the, the, the truth is and everything. Picard is keeps reminding them that he's innocent until proven guilty. And he's like, this is the like this is our law and it's like the seventh guarantee uh the seventh guarantee of starfleet is that the most important like he says that are the most important rights of the federation we cannot take a fundamental principle of a constitution and turn it against a, its own citizen you know and we see this happening all the time in america where like the, mm. our literal constitutional laws are being turned against our own people and i just think it's so important to remember that like you can't just judge someone based on their bloodline or their color of their skin or whatever. And like, you know, especially at the end of the episode when Picard's talking to Worf and Worf saying like, I'm so sorry, sir. Like I got really dragged into this too. And Picard is like vigilance, Mr. Worf. And I just, Oh, I love that that whole section. Yeah. I wrote that down because it's Mm -hmm. like unbelievable. Yeah. Um, uh, Picard says the torture of heretics, burning of witches, it's all ancient history. Then, before you blink an eye, suddenly it threatens to start all over again. Mm. Vigilance, Mr. Worf, that is the price we must continually pay. So Thank you. We used that quote. I don't know if you guys saw them um, leading up to us announcing Captain Picard Week. We did like little Picard vignettes on our Twitter and Instagram, and that's one of the ones that we use. It's, 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 It's so powerful. You guys bringing up like 
this this episode is so relevant to to real world events right now. It's actually kind of scary. Um, yeah. yeah. And just you know you know, just not liking what we were becoming as, as a country and a people. And Picard says that in this, right? Like we want to talk about how measure of a man has like all these amazing quotes and speeches. This whole, this whole episode is a, you know, you can quote the whole thing, but he does say, um, something is wrong here, Mr. Worf. I don't like what we've become. And yes. that's just so, so accurate to not only what's happening in this episode, but, but what's happening in, in our world today. Like what is, you know, happening to our country? What's, happening to people and morals and being accepting and it's yeah 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 i was actually thinking this today while watching these episodes because when i was a kid i think watching measure of a man like in middle school seemed funny not i mean not funny to me but just it seemed like oh i'm watching a show from the 80s and now we fixed racism mm. because i was coming from like you know a like very uneducated yeah. like middle schooler point of view that I felt like, oh, this episode's not necessary anymore because we've already learned these lessons, right? Um, and then, you know, watching, of course, totally different perspective. And then watching, you know, now as a adult and seeing what's going on in the world that, yeah, vigilance is the price we must continually pay. Like, and something that I really appreciate about Picard throughout this whole episode, that's just a reminder to all of us is that, he is not getting swept up in the drama that she is creating, that the um, woman is creating, mm-hmm. um, Sati. He's taking everything that she says and kind of like pausing and thinking it through and then responding. And I, we just don't do enough of pause, think about it, and then react. I, it, mm-hmm. We're in a very like instant react culture. And even Worf admits, you know, that he gets swept up in it. Um, I think even the fact that she opens it up to audiences is probably the worst part about this because this was an internal matter that maybe people were, you know, like the Lower Decks crew was talking behind closed doors and being like, oh, what's going on? Why is this Admiral here? But opening it up makes the rumor mill like even worse, you know? Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah, I just completely different perspective watching it today. Go ahead, Rihanna. Yeah, that was really beautiful, Ashlyn. And to add on to that, I feel like, opening up the courtroom to allowed for people to witness this character assassination that was going on for Picard. Like it was truly disgusting when she's talking about his time with the Borg, like re-traumatizing him in that moment. And I always forget that the the facepalm meme is from that. I'm like, no, it's less funny. (laughs) It totally is. Um, But like, I think that it's sort of like, yes, it's really bad that they opened this up, but I think it also shows her character as well, you know, and while she's attacking Picard, you can see everyone's faces, like Riker looks disgusted, and like, Beverly's just like, what the fuck, you know, everyone's like, what is going on, and I think it really, instead of, like, what she intended was to attack Picard, it ended up, like, her sort of attacking herself and she like literally brings this admiral behind his back like he comes in and i think the funniest part of the episode is when she's like screaming and everything he just gets up and yep. leaves like he yeah, does not like- say a <laughs> word <laughs> no this is a waste of time yeah. and everyone yeah, knows essentially. it mm-hmm. yeah um yeah yeah this 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 whole I, I think he knows right like the minute it, not only it becomes public but the when he gets served he's like okay like enough is enough right and i, I, I want to read this comment because it, it goes back to what you brought up about you know bringing up his time with the borg uh, llap 81 says drumhead has some amazing moments when sati brings up wolf 359 
the fact that Picard had such a good way to turn around on her, like what a gut punch that is. And and I, I do want to add like knowing your enemy, right? He always knows who his enemies are, are and he always knows how to talk to them. Quoting the book to Tati, and like you mentioned at the top of talking about Drumhead, quoting her father against her is just, that's that's it. That's the photon torpedo, right? Yeah. <laughs> Drop that mic. Yeah. <laughs> he had it ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so oh. true. What a good point. And I think that like, I mean, he says the first time any man's freedom is trodden on, we're all damaged. And ooh, ain't that true? Like, we really have to remember this. And I think that's something that I've always admired so much about Picard is that like, no matter your background or what is going on in your life he's still going to give you the benefit of the doubt yeah. because he knows this he knows that like once someone's freedom is freedom is trodden on we're all damaged he knows that that's going to reflect on everybody in that room that the fact that tarsus is being accused falsely because he has a romulan grandparent is so messed up and he knows he has to right this wrong even if he has to go through this like kind of traumatic courtroom experience he he does it for his crew and just, you know, prove Sati wrong, but that's so brave. Like it's, that would be so hard to have to sit there and listen to, they're like, you violated the prime directive nine times. You even know what it is. And I'm like, nine times is not that bad. It's not that bad. And you're talking <laughs> about, you're talking about a captain. Like, I think someone made the comment above earlier. Like he, Picard is one of the, like the most stickler captains when it comes to following the prime directive. So saying yeah. that is just like, do you know who you're talking to? Like really? I don't Literally. want to hear Janeway's transcript. Like. <laughs> right. oh <my> God. <laughs> That's uh, embarrassing. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I think also Picard is really, he doesn't, he never says it in this way, but he's really fighting the culture of taking things out of context because she's saying, we're going to expand this investigation to the whole crew. And I'm thinking everyone has something to hide and if taken not even have something to hide but we all have things in our background that if taken out of context could be seen like in a weird or different way or we just all have like lives that we don't want on display all of the time and so picard is is protecting that for his crew and also i think if like these public hearings continue and they go through down the line all the senior officers it's going to completely destroy the culture on the enterprise that he's been building for so long and so as soon as i heard similar to what you were saying julian you know as soon as you know picard's taking the stand i'm breathing a sigh of relief because he's a master at this and it, it's going to be fine. You know, he can talk his way out of anything. He's always yeah. having to stand up for his beliefs, right? It's like constantly yep. in like these disagreements, with all these like corrupt admirals and bad admirals. It's like this constant struggle with it. It's so true. Well, and I think too, it asked an important question of why Tarsus felt like he had to lie in the first place on his record. I mean, that's really an awful thing to feel like you have to hide your own background and your own family simply because of who they are and i think picard really brings that to light too like it's not the problem that he lied it's the problem that he felt like he had to in order to even get into starfleet or in order to even get this commission on the enterprise and like that's just awful you can't especially i love that picard too is defending him because we know that he's going to be a defender of the romulans later on we know that he's going to literally start the um the you know, project that's going to help save so many Romulan lives that 
we know that he's just going to look past that kind of stuff. And yeah, he doesn't like people lying on their record, but Ashlyn, like you said, it's all about context. And when Starfleet is very good at taking things out of context and making it sort of fit into what they want or what looks prettiest to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, Starfleet, <laughs> Starfleet, drop the mic. Yeah. Yeah. Starfleet should have, <laughs> should have been welcoming a a half Romulan to join Starfleet. Like that should be like a moment of pride for Starfleet. Instead, it's this big secret. And that's such a shame. Even in like a, you know, kind of fake, we're trying to diversify way. I I feel like they would still welcome, you know, Mm -hmm. like anyone that had a Romulan background because it shows like, oh, look how diverse we are. (laughs) Even like a very, the most basic level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sad. Yeah. Well, shall we go on to Darmok? Yes. Shaka oh, when the walls fell. Yes. His arms open. <laughs> I actually said that, um, I think, to my husband the other day, because um, he was like, oh, Ashlyn, did you, like, remember to get gas on, because I, like, borrowed the car for rehearsal, and I came back, and then the next morning, he had to go to work, and was like, oh, did you remember to fill up the car last night, or do I need to leave it a little early? And I was like, Shaka, when the walls fell. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Shaka when the gaslight was on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I had just seen Darmok and I was like, oh, I really Shaka. failed to do that. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Um, this episode is again, like, so fantastic. Uh, I think it's one also that is really unique. Even after, you know, we have Discovery, we have Lower Decks, all these new series. I feel like we've never quite had an episode like Darmok. Um, Rihanna, do you want to go for it? Just yeah, I'd love to. Close us out with this summary. <laughs> yeah. So there is a species called the Children of Tama, um, and they have never been able to communicate with the Federation. There was another captain who tried and failed and they want to make a, you know, trade negotiation. They want to uh, help them enter into the Federation, but obviously there's a communication barrier. And so Picard being Picard is like, all right, I'll try it, you know? And so he goes out here and he gets, uh, first they have this conversation on the bridge no one knows what's going on and he then gets beamed down with the leader and they pretty much just like hang out in this forest for a while they do some camping Picard's wondering what his intentions are if they're hostile or if they're peaceful um and dealing with the language barrier and then they're attacked by this beast meanwhile the Enterprise is trying desperately to get Picard back because they're assuming the worst and they're assuming that he was I mean understandably he was beamed down without permission or consent and so they've experienced enough of this to know this could be really bad so they spend quite a long time trying to beam him back there's like a you know whatever sort of techno babble that is stopping him from using the transporter but they eventually get kind of a a partial lock on him while the leader is being attacked by this beast and so the leader is gravely injured i'm sorry i don't remember his name uh l l i don't remember it either i always forget it i know yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i have my phone i shall look it up okay excellent so as yeah so then he's being attacked Picard is like, no, please, like, stop beaming me. And so finally the transporter breaks its lock. He's still on the planet, but he's very injured. And Picard, uh, I should say before, they were starting to finally understand each other's language. And so by the time he is injured and dying, 
they can really understand each other and they have this beautiful resolution where Picard is finally understanding the language. And and his name was Dathan. Ah, uh, Dathan. Yeah. Uh, I love him. <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> so this episode, I think, reminds us of like how we become sort of complacent with the technology we have and reliant on it and how reliant everyone is on these universal translators. I mean, it does sort of remind me of early episodes of Enterprise where Hoshi is trying desperately mm. to figure out this dialect of Klingon or this, you know, Sulaban on the ship or whatever. They're out there literally like trying to understand a language while it's happening. And so, but by, you know, Picard's time, that's such a thing of the past that they rely so heavily on their technology that when they come into contact with a language that they can't decipher, it's a huge problem. And I think it opens all of their eyes to just the difficulties of the language barrier. And that's like such a simple thing that they'd sort of like quote unquote defeated long ago and so it's really cool to see Picard have to go back to his roots and he says quote communication is a matter of patience and imagination and oh I love that quote I think that's so important and that is Picard like he's very imaginative he kills it with the metaphors anyway and so like he figures out it's a metaphor pretty quickly on but I like the fact too that he also has he knows that yes this is a metaphor but I have to understand the context of the story and so this whole scene where he's getting to talk to Dathan about the like the story itself of um like of Tanagra Darmok, and of Angelod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how, you know, they met and they fought a beast together and that sort of connection of triumph and of, of facing death together brought them to this peace, peaceful place. And so that's so important though. And I think it also reminds us of like, like we were saying, context is essential to understanding each other. Beautiful summary as usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Oh man, I th I really admire this species in general because clearly they have warp capability or at least like spaceflight capability and it seems like they have not been able to communicate with other cultures. So they're extending a hand and no one, at least in the Federation, but I'm assuming like maybe other people also can't connect with them because of the way that they discuss, because of the way that they talk um and the way that their culture works and it makes me think about like if humanity was just like meme culture where the only thing we say is you know memes or references to other things which is mm -hmm. you know maybe we're getting there but um, oh boy <laughs> i just i really appreciate how patient they are as a species and also the way that they're really able so like once they beam picard down to the planet and then that whole thing happens they are preventing the Enterprise from really doing anything to get involved in what's going on on the planet. And I'll I'll say, I mean, I love Riker, but he needs to chill in this episode. Yeah. I feel like he's really like <laughs> thrusters on full, like his, the phasers, he's ready to go. Um, and I think in any other situation, this is the right reaction. You know, like they've taken, possibly kidnapped Captain Picard, and we don't know what's going on with him. Um, but in this case, it, it, you know, the species is actually like 
trying to do something good. So I just think it's really interesting that they had all these safeguards, like these, or I guess fail safes, where you know they're like strengthening the barrier around the planet so they can't beam him up. Everything that Riker tries, they throw him like at every turn. So mm-hmm. just just really interesting that they're willing to wait this out and see if communication is even possible because this is probably like you know this would be a really important moment for them. Yeah. I so I actually have a a pretty big hot take about this episode. Okay, I yeah. I, I think that Riker has the the harder job in this episode diplomacy wise because he he does have to. The, speaking of tight ropes, like he has to walk this line. Is like, how far do I take this before this becomes a situation where we will never be able to have relations with with this species? Like how how long does it take before I don't just like try to break down this barrier? I start really firing and, you know, firing phasers and then firing torpedoes. It's really hard. And and I, I do understand Riker's I do understand him being like kind of like heavy on the on the trigger in this episode because they're monitoring Picard's vitals and, and what's going on and also uh, Dathan's. And, you know, they're, they're not just down there having, you know, a campfire, which does happen. They are getting attacked and Dathan does die. And that could have been John Luke and Riker understands that. So I, I do understand trying to get him back. Um, I, I don't I don't necessarily agree that that he was heavy handed. Um I, I do think that Picard has an equally impossible situation. You know, I think this is probably like his his hardest, you know, diplomatic issue yet. You know, he goes into it not knowing a single thing and really has to adapt. And uh, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is very difficult for everyone involved, yeah. um, including the Tamarians or and and like Dathan and everyone. But I am happy that, like you were saying, that they gave this the shot, particularly the Tamarians or the Children of Tama. They really wanted to see if they. I mean, I wonder how many times they've tried this, right. just beaming two of them on a planet, and being like, "Let's fight a beast together!" <laughs> like, come on, you know. And I wonder how many other people like failed at this or whatever and um i don't know i think that it's so cool to see also picard's brain always working like you can see those cogs turning this whole episode like even when he's sitting down and he's like kind of looking at dathan over there by the Mm -hmm. fire he's like okay i gotta figure this out and uh he like i just am so proud of him for how quickly he figures this out because also how quickly the crew of the enterprise figures out the language i think that it's really cool that like <laughs> troy i think it's troy and yeah, data who it, have yeah, like yeah. <laughs> so many options for these different words they're like oh, like we don't know what uh darmok means there's like so many definitions that could be tanagra is an island i guess you know and so they're slowly starting to piece together and i really like the um analogy that beverly crusher uses about Juliet on the balcony you know how it is about the context and how like we instantly get the idea of romance and all of that but to anyone else it's just like what who on what you know and so similarly this is um where 
I think communication is at, at its most difficult because yeah, they are a lot of human words, which is so cool. Or like a lot of English words, standard, whatever. And I think that's, you know, at least helpful <laughs> that yeah. it is coming from a place of, of their speaking actually, standard. I was wondering though, do you think they're actually speaking standard English or do you think this is the translator? Like this is all Ooh. that the translator can get from them. That's genius. I think Lower Decks gave us that answer. I think that's all the, the, um, the, the translator at that point could yeah. give them and i think yeah. they say something i think boimler or mariner say something along it's like oh you know it, we're, we're getting there but it's still not quite perfect when um yeah. why can't i remember his name now but they get the new security guy Kayshawn. yeah, Kayshawn. yeah, Kayshawn. yeah. <laughs> his yeah. Eyes open. do not touch yeah. me i am yeah. not a toy <laughs> yeah. oh, puppet Kayshawn, we need him we need yeah. him cute yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I love too that Boimler says like he took Tamarian at the academy. And yeah, he still yeah, cannot get right. it. <laughs> like, he still is like insulting Kayshawn. I, I love that moment right at the end of the episode where Kayshawn's like hitting on the the officer too, and just, like a total busting. Goes, oh well, Shaka when the walls fell. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So funny. Yeah, I I just love this episode. Um, I don't know. I I think that it's so important the fact that like Picard really does form this connection with Dathan and how he says at the end of the episode, quote, I understand your sacrifice here, Captain, you know, and, yeah. and it's so sad that he had to die in order for this like peace to finally be realized and this like communication to be achieved. But it's such a noble sacrifice and something that like Picard, of course, really respects, which is so cool. It's, it's so I very Picard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it it really shows the desperation of the Temerians to be understood is they're willing to let him die yeah. all for the sake of some type of yeah. connection. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's got to be so isolating to have a whole like a whole universe of people out there and none of them can understand you like. Oh, thank God Picard's there. <laughs> yeah, and and I I love I I I do love that that Picard uses to ultimately figure out this language. He uses one of his favorite things, and that's literature, right? He uses the the poem, the the Epic of Gilgamesh, and yes. it's just it. And and you know it's it's you know Patrick Stewart's a Shakespearean actor. He he delivers those lines so well, oh, t telling Dathan that story, and it's just it's so good. That's my favorite part of the episode. Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah. It shows that he's such a classics guy. It makes me think about how he's so into archaeology mm -hmm. and history. And even at the end of the episode, when he's rereading Gilgamesh, yes. he's like, yeah. he's like, he's like, PSA, Riker, we should all be reading classics. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> it was so yes. good. Oh, it's so important. I love I also, that. I love when he is on the planet and uh, he's speaking everything out loud. And I feel like if I was in that situation, I would, I mean, obviously I know it's for the benefit of the audience, like to really have transparency about what Picard is thinking and how he's figuring out, like, it's a metaphor. But <laughs> I, I also feel like he's speaking out loud, like for the benefit of, and I forgot his name again. Dathan. For Dathan, yeah. Uh, for the benefit of Dathan too, like maybe if he can understand my speech patterns, it might help him in some way mm -hmm. to communicate too. So he's yeah. literally trying everything he can to help I out. Mean, that's what they say with like babies that you should talk to them as much as possible yeah. so they can like start to understand speech patterns and tone and all of that. And so I think you're absolutely right. He's doing it for his benefit. 
That's certainly what I do with my dogs and cat. So <laughs> please speak English. I don't know. Me, me and my wife speak, say, say, oh my God so much. And now all our daughter says is, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. This. So I, I don't know. Take it, take it how you will. It's, it's a blessing yeah. and a curse, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I, I think you, you're talking about your favorite part of the episode. I think mine is at the end where um, Picard is beamed up initially because the beast is attacking and uh, Picard gets beamed up. It, it's, exactly what happened in the middle of the episode and i thought once again like the enterprise is like obviously they have no idea that picard is at this breakthrough moment where he could help kill the beast um i really thought picard was gonna tell o'brien or whoever the transporter chief was like send me back i need to go back but he doesn't he runs to the bridge and he's like okay i can have some diplomacy here and we can solve this and the whole time, you know, the Enterprise has been struggling so hard to understand what they're saying. Picard, he goes onto the bridge and he just, oh man, he is beautiful. He's at his prime. He's like speaking perfect. I mean, as great as he can, you know, um, in, like communicating with them. And the whole bridge crew are like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah. <laughs> like, how does he know what's going on right now? And it, it reminded me of, a, you know, the end of a lot of original series episodes where, like, someone says something and the whole crew is like, what? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love it. I love, too, the the look on the faces of the crew of the other ship and, and how mm-hmm. grateful they are at the yes. end. That's such an amazing oh. moment. Mm-hmm. Especially for the one crewman who was definitely seeming more suspicious mm-hmm. and just like a little more closed off to the idea of meeting uh, the Enterprise that when Picard tells of his sacrifice, of Dathan's sacrifice and like just the work they did down there and to see his gratitude is really cool. And I think too, something that's so powerful about the writing of this episode is that like the more that we or the more the Picard learns the language, the more we learn it too. And so by the time the the end of the episode's there, none of us need a translator. Like we all know exactly mm-hmm. what yes. they're saying to each other. And that is so, so cool. Like yeah. that's really hard to pull off. And these writers and Patrick Stewart and everyone who worked on this episode really did it so gracefully. It's such a great point. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm feeling so happy talking about Picard and these episodes are all fantastic. And I'm so, so, so grateful to you, Julian, and to Strange New Pod for hosting this week. It's like the little girl in me is oh. it, is at her peak happiness. Yeah. Because <laughs> especially um, like Drumhead, I think was an episode that really changed me growing up. And I am such a diplomacy nerd and any type of politics yeah. going on in Star Trek, I feel like that's my peak nerdiness and my peak love for Star Trek. And when people ask you, what does Star Trek mean to you? It's like, oh, well, at Sector 93, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my yeah. strength. And so rewatching these episodes is like lit this fire. And so I'm so, you know, just so happy that um, we have such an amazing and strong uh, Star Trek podcast community and that we get to collaborate in this way, especially during a pandemic when we all feel so far apart from each other. So thank you for setting up this week. I know it's at great cost to your um, <laughs> to your life. You know, you got so much to do, such a busy week. But again, we're just like grateful to be here. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, you guys wanted to take part. You're one of the first podcasts that we thought of that we wanted to 100% be a part of it and reached out to you guys. Um, I think one of the, the biggest compliments that we've been getting so far, and we're only a couple of days into this thing, is that this is like a really awesome Star Trek podcast community. Like all the shows involved are 
you know, filled with great people and all everybody's had just like amazing things to say so far. So um, this has just been amazing. And, and we thank you, obviously, for for taking part. This has been so much fun. And yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way uh, to get to celebrate such a, a great character. And, uh, you know, it, Picard season two is so close. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Yeah, I feel like I've learned so much about Picard. I thought that I knew all there was to know. And I feel like <laughs> I, that's not the case, you know, and I feel like this week has really helped me to see so many facets of him that I hadn't even thought about. So I just I love the themes and I'm just so, so excited to hear the rest of these incredible podcasters as this week continues on. And yeah, I just wanted to thank you, Julian and Strange New Pod, but also thank all the other podcasters who joined because like literally we're all doing this and we're all out here like taking time out of our own podcast schedules to do this. And I could not be more grateful. So, And that's you. the big thing too, right? Like a lot of the podcasts are, are really busy right now. So the fact that we got this many shows to take part is, is really a testament to the to the community. So. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, and I have to reveal a, a, a secret from Rihanna and I's childhood. Way back when we had like a lot of time on our hands, I would say like middle school, early high school, we used to celebrate every Star Trek actor's birthday and we would like make each other gifts like awesome. for the character. So Rihanna had a hat that said like data that I made her, <laughs> but we did celebrate Picard week at one point and I stitched yeah. this like very scary um, like sewing of Picard. I, I, I don't still know have where it. it is. You, no, you still I have, have it. it. It's, yeah. <laughs> so like just us like weirdly honoring Picard and then, you know, seeing yeah. that you guys are doing something like this again, it just feels full circle for us. So, so awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. a great yeah. story. So great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just want to um, also just take a moment to shout out the Dura Sisters podcast. We are on social media. Um, we're just always the Dura Sisters podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even Tumblr and TikTok, Rihanna is our primary social media coordinator and also like the most talented TikToker. So Aww. we have some great TikToks you Thank should go you. check out. We also have a Threadless shop. So like we have some merch and we unfortunately we made some Picard shirts that didn't come in in time, but it's all good. Yeah, you can <laughs> go check recover. it out. You can it's check them the out. the front page of our Threadless shop. So if you want to celebrate Picard week with us, you can go look and uh, buy some of our merch. Yeah. So. Um, right now, we're also literally tomorrow about to release our episode of Feminism on The Next Generation. So this whole week has been Thanks. only Next Generation. Next which Gen is Central. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just it's full circle. And we're just psyched to be here. Awesome. So glad to have you guys for this. This is awesome. And thank you for thank having you. me. I know I, I, I may have said yes. this off mic. I may have said it on mic. I kind of invited myself and you guys were gracious and were like, yeah, come on. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We love wonderful. new perspectives and like what you brought to this episode was truly phenomenal. So thank you for all of your thank insights you. and your points. And we just love getting to chat with you. So it was a pleasure. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the third episode of our feminism series where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss all of the amazing women in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr and TikTok and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. 
If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these awesome podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, and movies. If you haven't heard a particular series, please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media and marketing done by me, Rihanna Hurd, and Ashlyn Gelman. Editing is done by Ashlyn Gelman and Rihanna Hurd. Our intro and outro were written by Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, I really love this roof. There's this cute little girl on her bike. Just so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Threat. There's now a little boy following her on his cute bike, and now their dad is chasing them. Oh, that's precious. The dogs can't stand it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)